This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Duke is 6-2, coming off a 2-1 record at the PK after an absolute blowout to Purdue. We, yeah, you see, look, you know, we we got to try to try to rein people in a little bit. So we'll talk about, you know, what happened over the uh, the last three games. Mm-hmm. We'll go back into the echo chamber, sponsored by Radio Shack. <laughs> um, we'll talk, we'll give out a couple early uh, coaching grades, and then we'll talk about the uh, the breaking news today, Jack, with the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge ceasing to exist after this year and moving into the ACC SEC, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And then we'll give a couple previews for the Ohio State and Boston College game um, later this week. So let's kind of start it off with uh, our overall reactions to what we witnessed up there in in, in Oregon. Um, you know, Duke struggles against Oregon State. They come back a little bit, play better against Xavier, and then just pretty much get blown out of the gym against uh, Purdue, who quite frankly is just a, a vastly superior team. But overall, you can blame the, the different venues or whatever, but we shot – uh, 12 of 59 from three. We were vastly out-rebounded mm-hmm. uh, by Purdue in, in, in that third game. Um, AC, give me a kind of a overall reactions um, after coming out of Portland. I mean, I think this is almost exactly where we said the team would be in the preseason based on the injuries and the timeline and everything else, right? Like, we talked about it before the season started. We talked about Kansas would be a tough game for us to win. We talked about we figured we'd play Gonzaga, but we talked about getting into the PK 85 championship game and that would possibly be a loss for us. Like we where I think, I think the first couple of games we played and we played pretty well and we played so well that I think it kind of put us lulls into a false sense of security with this team a little bit. Whereas preseason, how most of us felt about, you know, the, the way the team would, would play this year. I, I think it lulled us into that false sense of security where we, kind of forgot that's where we thought they were and that's that's truly where they are i think the evaluation of, a, of what we are as a team right now was accurate in the preseason yeah you know I, I at the end of the last podcast when we gave our predictions i wouldn't have been surprised and, and mentioned this that you know maybe we kind of get off to a slow start you know the travel the holiday you know mm-hmm. whatever you want to blame it on I, I didn't expect that kind of performance jack uh against oregon state um did that kind of throw up some red flags to you uh, kind of watching that game? No, those type of games happen. I think, you know, the offense hasn't really been there most of the season so far. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a holiday. They've just flown in across the country. I think a lot, a lot of different things like that definitely contributed to that performance. But, you know, I think... I think it really got amplified by by a couple of different factors. This is this is something that didn't shock me, I'll say. But Yeah, I know yeah, yeah I, I know that like Jeremy Roach in that game, um, you know, he goes three or fourteen, one or seven from three, but then AC he comes back uh with two very strong games and we can talk about the injury a little bit. I was I was kinda surprised they let him in mm-hmm. or let him play as much as they did, uh kind of when the game was out of reach in the second half there against Purdue. Um but let's kind of talk about where Jeremy Roach went because, you know, after the Xavier game where he had a very good game, started shooting the ball very well, mm-hmm. loved the way he attacked, we kind of wanted to say, okay, let's do that again. Let's see that Jeremy Roach again. I think we did for the most part. There were a couple yeah. bad turnovers there, but if you were looking to take a bright spot, to me, it's Jeremy Roach saying, this is my team. Yeah, and, and who, I mean, who doesn't have bad turnovers? And some of those turnovers that he's 
he's he's getting this season are coming from poor offensive play, like no, nobody cutting, people not moving with him on the drives. Like those are things that I, I think they will find in in film, and they will practice those mistakes out. I think you'll start to see more rim runs with Lively and Flip, and and you know some of the other things that go along with what Jeremy does because that's what they complement what he does with his drives to the basket. He, we can't we can't settle on Jeremy Rose mid range flo- uh, floaters and jumpers the entire season, right? So. But he, I mean, he played like a leader. He played like a boss, man. He was a warrior out there. Like he played hurt, got the numbing shot at the half, came back, did his thing, man. Like I, I have no gripes at all about what Jeremy did out there at all. Like, and, and I don't know, I don't know how any Duke fans could have a gripe with how he played in the last two games. Yeah, yeah Jack and, and Connor talking, keeping up with the positive uh, talk here. I thought Tyrese Proctor um, really showed out uh, in in you know the Xavier and. Um, Purdue game. What did you take from his performance? I mean, I think he's he's just piling on um, in a positive way. Like he keeps building. Building is the better word. He's building off of these performances. Going back to that Kansas game, even yeah. Proctor has been really solid, and uh, you know can only really get better from here. Big time second half against Purdue too, man. I mean, when we needed yeah. him, when we were making that comeback, that was. For, for him to take that step, that, because this team is, this this team ceiling is him at the point guard, right? Am I mistaken with that? I mean, I think we saw it during that run. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. when Duke, I think Duke looked the best they have all season mm-hmm. with him at the point in that game, like in that comeback against Purdue up until about that nine minute mark. Yep. Yeah, it took us so much energy to get ourselves back into it um, that it wasn't a surprising result at the end. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I, I do think that, you know, and, and again, we had a, a couple threes there that were good shots. They looked good leaving the hand. They were kind of in and out. A couple of those dropped, and then game pressure starts moving back to Purdue. Anything can happen, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I do like the, you know, you can say whatever you will about Prother and his offensive game and where it's going. Jack, I think that's the right word, building. And you can see the confidence that he plays with, and he play, and he just plays so hard. And AC, I know you said it in uh, in our group text, uh, and I agree. Just the fight that that he plays with, and, and kind of mm-hmm. the overall team. Um, that that's something that you know you you can't really teach, right? So yeah, and this team fights, and and that's something that you know even if when we lose, I can sit here and say, okay, you know this team fights till the end. I can give, I can tip my hat to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Like. They they did not give up, even though the final score shows that we just got blown out. That's that's at the end of a comeback that didn't happen. You know, what I mean that's that's bound to happen. But you know, scoring one point in the last eight minutes of the game isn't acceptable either. So there's things to look at, like okay, we this has to be fixed. But there's also some positives. Like clearly, John has clearly he has focused on the defensive end of this team to start with the limited amount of practices we've had, especially as a full group. Clearly, defense has been the thing that they have really pushed and stressed in practice. And now, now is the time to, to hopefully we start seeing him move forward with the, the next couple of weeks of practices and such moving forward with the offense. Yeah. Jack, uh, kind of talking about the defense here. What did you like about the move to, to, to go to zone in the second half there? Do you think it was too late? Do you think it was the, the right move overall? Uh, Cause he seemed to, to help us in certain ways, limiting them, but obviously, that obviously is going to open it up to getting a lot of offensive rebounds for for Purdue, and they they kind of crushed this there. I mean, it did lead to a bunch of offensive rebounding, but that being said, they could not get it to Edie, and he could not get directly to the basket. I think 
I mean, it was a solid adjustment. I think it was too little, too late. Yeah. I feel like if if Shire had gone to it a little bit, you know, toward the end of the first half, last five minutes of the first half, maybe, instead of a little bit into the second half, maybe you see Duke come back and take the lead, and it's a whole yeah. different game. Instead of just cutting it to six and then not scoring a field goal the entire rest of the game. Yeah. And and I don't know... I. I don't know if I'm, if I'm on the side of it was too late. I, first half, because you don't want them going into the locker room at the half, being able to draw some stuff up about the zone, right? Like that's, you want, that's fair. That's you you fair want point. them to have to adjust to the zone in timeouts, and it's it's hard for a team that's not used to seeing zone to do that. So I, I thought it was I thought it was perfect timing. I, I feel like Kay would have done the exact same thing, honestly. I feel like the zone would have come in the second half. We've seen well, that didn't before. Shire, Kay I'm sorry to cut you off, AC. Didn't no, Shire didn't. wait until after the under-16 to go zone? He did. He did. And I think okay, he wanted I, to see that first segment if we could make a dent against them with whatever they planned in the locker room for man. I'm guessing he wanted to see that first segment to see if we could make it happen. And and honestly, the, the lead didn't really grow from what it was. I mean, it, it did grow. It did grow from, you know, how we left it with 11 points down at the half or whatever slightly. But it wasn't like it got totally out of control. It just we had 16 minutes to mount a comeback with a team that just offensively just isn't there. But I think he went with his gut with it. I feel like I feel like it was the right move. It was definitely the right move. I don't know that it was too late. I, I kind of, yeah, at the very Go least, ahead, I would have liked to see. Sorry, TK. Um, I very much would have liked to see him kind of go to it at least a few possessions earlier than he did. Because maybe, maybe the one thing yeah, I would have but... said with the zone was when Edie went out, we probably could have gone back to man. With oh, the I think that they at had. that point they have a bunch of shooters. You have to go back to man. Yeah, I think that I think that would have helped a little bit because it would have we could have created some turnovers with that group with Edie out, and we could have got on some breaks and and got some easy offense as opposed to to having to get the zone and then get the board and then have to run plays again. Like we, we needed to in a, in a comeback, you need easy offense at times. You need fast breaks. You need turnovers, and we weren't obviously we're not generating those in the zone. I mean, the the thing that's biggest I feel like with this Duke team is obviously the players are learning, and that's the thing that happens every year. But now, for the first time in 40 years, the coach is learning on his mm-hmm. feet and is going to have to learn as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Duke fans aren't used to. This is a first-time head coach. I don't know if Duke has ever had a first-time head coach like in the last 60 years. Even yeah, The last time Duke had a first-time head coach, I, I don't know if it's happened in the last 60 years, like going back to... I think Vic Bubas might have been the last, and he might not have even been a first-time head coach. Yeah, I think you're don't right. Even, don't quote me on that, but at least <laughs> going back to him, I don't think Duke has had a first-time head coach. So Coach Shire is, is learning and developing along with the guys, which, again, Duke Nation not really used to that. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait and see. Coach Shire's going to develop. He's far from what he's going to be at his peak, and we're going to see that over this season and over the years to come. He's going to be learning, adjusting, and developing along with the players. We talked about shooting as well, and I kind of want to address that because, yeah, between Gillis and Foyer or Lawyer, like they were six of ten from three, but the rest of the team was one. This was a lawyer family revenge game. Yes, it was. Right. (laughs) So, you know, like they they have, you know, they they shot the ball well, but outside of that, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that they really were that deadly against us so yeah. you know it's they hit timely threes all credit to those two guys that, mm-hmm. that did that um but I, I i guess i want to credit the defense a little bit more there because i thought defensively we were about as good as we could be in that situation 
Yeah, no, man to man, the defense was it's it's as good as it has been all season. Minus you have to deal with a seven foot four monster in the middle, and right. he is who he is, and it is what it is. The best the best possibility, and this is what the zone did. The best chance you have against him is to force him out of outside of that charge circle and take his hook shots out of there. Like you can't let him get under the basket. So that was that was the biggest thing. But you know, we did. I think we did a great job. We didn't settle for the doubles. We we really did stay with the switches. We stayed well on the outside, and that's just going to continue to serve us all season as long as we don't forget how to do those things. Yep. So credit to credit to Purdue. They're they're a really good basketball team. Not that is reflective now is, of the new rankings. Uh, is it possible season. they're better than they were last year when they had Jaden Ivy on the squad? Um, you know, it, it yes. is possible because you know now they they have an identity of what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times last year it was you know Edie getting in the way of him, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so I feel like they know who they are. Uh, it's you know everything goes around him and through him. Yeah. Um. So like that. That to me, like they have a great identity. They play together. They're a really good basketball team, mm-hmm. and it's going to be, it's going to take everything their opponent has to be able to beat them this year. So they'll be there in top five, top ten all season long. Mm-hmm. Um. People are starting to establish themselves, right? And you know, we, we know what we get with Houston. I think uh, Baylor is really good. I know that they lost UVA, but. They're right there. I feel like Purdue's in that class as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's how can we, you know, how, how many different other teams are going to be able to kind of get themselves into that same atmosphere? I don't think Kansas is there. Nope. Um, but, you know, again, uh, Purdue's just a really good basketball team. So I want to take a step away and go into the echo chamber here because we saw so many different reactions here. And AC, you kind of touched on it. Um, that this is kind of what we expected this team to be, right? We're mm-hmm. we're we're six and two. We we lost to Kansas in, in a very competitive game. We mounted a very nice comeback, a little too short there, and then kind of lost our steam against Purdue. Not a horrible loss in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, you could argue in some ways that we're a little bit further along than I actually anticipated but we have a lot of holes in it. So let's bring us into the echo chamber brought to you by Radio Shack. If you need a Walkman or a CD burner, please come to <laughs> one of our one location left and uh, use the, the, uh, the promo code five point play EC. This is called an echo chamber. The echo chamber, AC, you're on Twitter all the time before mm-hmm. and after the games. Just tell me what you're hearing. All right, can I start with one? And we're, this is going to be a good one. And I'm going to say, I think I'm going to take the side of the 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 group on this one. <laughs> so I'll let the you guys thing. talk me down. <laughs> maybe maybe have Jack on the other end of the spectrum, and and, and DK. We're going to have to convince you either way. Um, Derek Lively. Let's start with Derek Lively. Oh come on. <laughs> Let's start with Derek Lively. All right, here, here's the two things I've seen and, and two things I've heard and some of these things I've even said to myself and, and out loud on spaces, so let's do it. Um, right now, I'm not saying who he's going to become, not saying who he is as a person, whatever. Right now, there is, there is no difference between Derek Lively and Christian Reeves, and there is no difference between Derek Lively and what we ended up getting from Casey Sanders. Am I wrong? Yes. How am I wrong right now with that? Because I've seen Casey splits, and Derek is below Casey splits with with stats and per forties at the moment. How big of an impact was Casey on defense? 
It depends on what you're talking about, right? Like his senior year, he was actually a pretty good defender. Freshman year, yeah, he was just kind of out there running around. Now, the end of his freshman year, he was integral and keeping that, helping keep that team afloat on defense when Carlos Boozer went out. Casey was, he was, he actually ended up starting the rest of the season after Boozer's broken foot, and that includes the national championship game. I do know that. I know that. I I don't know that Derek Lively would make that same impact right now the way he's playing. Now, he is coming off of an injury, yes. So this is not who he's going to become, but it, what's the difference between him and Casey right now? The difference is that teams are actually actively worried about attacking the basket when Lively's in. He's rejecting people. He's altering shots. That is something that doesn't show up in a box score. He's boxing out. He's active. He is a lob threat. People are worried about that. They're kind of trying to keep him away from the hoop. That being said, he can step out and shoot a three. The stroke looks good even if the shot's not falling. You cannot tell me that's not the case. I can absolutely He's tell you doing... that's not the case. I mean, the shot, they weren't able to close. The motion looks good. The form looks good. He's still getting back to practice. Also, this is something that Shire brought up regarding Whitehead, but it kind of mm-hmm. applies to Lively as well. This team has had one practice in the last nine days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They this can't really build an offense that gives Lively his rim-running ability if they have one practice in a a week-and-a-half span. DK, what say you? Yeah, I... I, It is not a practice. I don't want to doubt Best Lively. The guy is not a finished product, and he, again, I think the practice thing is a a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He's trying to find his way, and I think if you're taking a look at the Purdue... Um, game particularly, that's kind of unfair to to, to really judge him against that. Um, he was unfairly called for a couple of those fouls. Um, so from that perspective, I thought he could have had more opportunities there. I didn't like the uh, the shot selection; they're clearly giving it to him. Uh, that that to me shows um, he's trying to force an issue that's not there. If you haven't practiced in nine days or only practiced once in nine days, maybe that's not the time to take those shots. And I think also. It takes a lot of the momentum that we could have built um, out of it. So from that perspective, I, I lean a little bit closer to toward the Debbie Downers of uh, of Twitter in the chamber. But at the same time, again, we have to keep a realistic perspective on this where he's not a fish product. And, and in mid-January, if that's still happening, then sure, come talk to me. Um, but as a team overall, what is the echo chamber to you, Lacey? I mean, I think everybody right now in, in the Twitter sphere and, and social media and online is saying the same thing. The offense is, is it, it, it's putrid. I mean, let's just let's say it. Let's just say it. The yeah. offense has not been good. It, it hasn't been good. And save from a few extreme, like very extreme people talking about how John's not the right man for the job. I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to give that any, any kind of play on this podcast. We're not going there. But the offense stinks. So that that's that's where we are right now. Offense stinks, and some of it is can can we possibly even get any better because our number one recruit is not great? Like right, that's what that's what that's what the the extreme Debbie Downers are saying. Yeah, Jack, you want to play on that? We can get better. There's no question we can get better. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Roach is just coming into March, Jeremy. We've seen that the last two games. Derek Whitehead, one practice since he's been cleared to return. Derek Lively, still coming back to 100%. 
Look at what Filipowski's doing and imagine what he's going to be at the end of the year. This is a guy who went from like a, in the 40s to num- to top five consensus as a senior in high school and recruiting rankings. Imagine what he's going to do playing this year at Duke. Might talk himself into uh, or might play himself into the talk for the lottery. Who knows? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he comes back. But <laughs> I know. Hopefully. So, Mark uh, Mitchell. For, for... We're still trying to figure yes. out what he is on offense. Grandison. Who knows where he fits? He hasn't even been playing much lately. I'm a little concerned about that, but he's a guy who has a role. Let's touch on Grandison in a minute. Seems like I got another one for Grandison. We will touch yeah, on I want to talk. I want to touch on Grandison. I want to touch on Mark Mitchell. I think we know what Flip is, and we'll leave that. But mm-hmm. you know, talking about the offense, you know, we're shooting 42 percent from the field, 29 percent from three. I feel like a uh, lot of that's from the Oregon offense. State game. Well, I there. mean, you could. Well, maybe, but you can look at the entire. Uh, tournament, right? Oh, well, and I, the entire season hasn't been great. But and away from home, like... at home we're shooting well. Yeah. Away from home we're not. I think that's pretty. That's obvious. That's pretty obvious. That has been obvious. Yeah. So you know, again, uh, shot selection. Our offense is very disjointed. I don't even know who we are offensively. And yeah, to me, it's like okay, the, the positive, right? That mm-hmm. Proctor is starting to evolve. Jeremy mm-hmm. had two big games where he's starting to shoot the ball a little bit better. And th- those are great things. Who's going to be that third barn? And it has to be Whitehead. We, oh, you know, he's coming. Again, they, pro- they probably they probably don't practice today, Monday, right? So maybe they shoehorn one practice in tomorrow, and then you get to walk through on Wednesday. So that means, to Jack's point, that he will have only practiced twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not enough time, really. No, no, then, not, you know, not to be integrated, but he's coming. Like, you, you saw it with that when he took off. For that dunk attempt, <laughs> the, the most spectacular so missed dunk close. attempt since Rodney. <laughs> so <laughs> close. And if it went down, bro, it would have been wild. But he, I mean, he's you know, Rodney who like, got fouled on that. Let's just put that. He out did. There. He did. But no, the rig is coming. The rig is coming, and I, I tend to side on <laughs> pause. Very much pause. Reckless. Uh, I tend to side on with this one, not so much with Debbie Downers. Even I just had to play the part for that one. But I do side on the fact that we will get better. We will see this offense get better. They will work on it. They will have practices, and and it's got to happen before January because come January we have like fifteen games in twenty some days. So it's like practice is not going to happen in January. <laughs> have you seen the December schedule? They're going to have more than enough time to yep. practice and integrate. Yep. Look at what happened with like that twenty seventeen team with Tatum, Giles, and Bolden. They they integrated, although mm-hmm. at two different levels. They integrated over the course of that December. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, one more. Let me give you one more. So we got Jacob Grandison needs to sit the rest of the season and let Jaden shoot play. I want to hear Jack Jacob Grandison. <laughs> Jacob Grandison has one year of eligibility. Jaden shoot has four. Jaden is not a one and done player. Jaden shoot. He's gonna transfer, Jeff. You got you beat me. You beat me to no, it. That was just a layup. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's saying that. No, he's not. He definitely knew what his role was going to be coming in, and he definitely committed to the long haul. I am not worried about shoot transferring after this year. That being said, Jacob Grandison has this year. He has he is a sixth-year player. He has a ton of experience. He is a knockdown shooter from three in the corners, which he has gotten like next to no looks in the corners, and when he has, he's made all but, I think, two of them. And he's a solid defender. That being said, he's struggled a little bit 
in some of the bigger games, and he's been trying to do too much to make up for the absence of Lively and Whitehead at 100%, and I think that's definitely contributed to the struggles he's had. But Jack, he's been around for six years now, right? Five, six years. At this point, he should be able to play defense and not miss his assignments, right? Like, he should be in the corner calling for the ball and, and, and hitting those shots when he hasn't been doing so, especially this tournament, man. Like, yeah, sit it, man. Like you said, shoot is going to be here for four years. If he doesn't transfer, let's play him now so that we can get him integrated into the team and get him ready for the next two, three, four years because like, Granison's only got one left. He's a rental player. Ah, I'm done. Get, get Granison out of here, man. He's done. Sit it. What, what, what is the positives and minuses, Jack, of, of that theory where, hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let, let shoot come in. Play the you know ten twelve minutes, you know that basically Brandison played in the tournament in, in the PK tournament. What's the harm there? I mean, because Brandison's not giving us anything offensively, and he was mediocre at best defensively, which is the knock on shoot. Shoot isn't as proven as Grandison as an asset. Shoot is a freshman. Shoot is eighteen years old. Jacob Grandison is 24, 23, about to be 24. He needs to to me. <laughs> Shoot has time. Grandison has proven he can compete at a power conference level in the Big Ten. For three seasons, he was incredible in the Big Ten as a role player. He is not a star. He is a guy who will get you maybe eight points. Maybe he'll go for six. He is a defensive wing. He's going to continue providing defense. Again, team hasn't had much time to practice. The team defense has been good. The individual defense, I will say, has had some issues, not just with Jake, with the whole team. There have been some individual one-on-one defensive issues. The team defense, again, has been impressive. Lively has been the best individual defender, going back to that one. Call me crazy. What say you, TK? Um... I think that the defense, if we were talking about like individual defenders, I actually think, and I know I actually saw a lot of this on Twitter that Proctor was a poor defender. I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, Proctor's also been great. Yeah. Right. And I think that he's actually been probably our best defender. Mm-hmm. Where are you sitting on uh, Grandison? The Grandison versus Shoot? Where are you sitting on that? Uh, no, I, I, I would honestly, I would, I would let Grandison play. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't let put him work Shoot through in. His yeah. We let Jack yeah, White work and, through and, his struggles. And, really, and he's trying to find his way with a, a completely new lineup. I mean, he's got to come out here with eight new mm-hmm. you know, teammates and try to figure it out. And they're also integrating two in that he didn't even get to practice with over the last, you know, six or seven weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective, look, we, we knew what like, Grandison does play well at home. And who, you know, that's to be expected, right? But at the Mm -hmm. same time, for me, I believe, you know, he he does provide that leadership and he does provide that toughness. And we talked about it on the last podcast that he's a winner. Mm -hmm. We didn't see a whole lot of that in Portland, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Right. Uh, And and to be fair, like we we talked up uh, Blake's really highly Mm -hmm. uh, in the last podcast. If we were doing the stock segment, maybe he sells some of that stock. but. Um, you know, but again, like you kind of let him play through this, and I don't think burning in shoot is the right move at all. Not right now. I, I think I do think it's something we may see at the end of the season. John is constantly in his ear. Shoot arounds. I know you guys have gone to games. Right. Shoot arounds and everything else. John is always with him. Like that is not the case. Like we're we are we are implanting 
Coach K mentality on John Shire when it comes to these guys are going to transfer and this guy's going to leave, so on and so forth. If you were done with K, he wasn't speaking to you. Like he was done with you. <laughs> like we we've gotten that uh we've gotten that that word from different people who have come on this podcast with us as guests. So John is spending so much time with Jaden. It would be it would I would it would be I'd be shocked if he left Duke. I would. I don't think he's leaving. Now I do. Like I said, I do think. I, it's, I don't think this is a fully just a full Grayson Allen situation where he comes in and just becomes a savior at the end of the season. But I do, especially if the, the shooting is still struggling, there's going to be an injury or two here or there where a guy misses a game or two. I think he's going to get his chance in those situations. And if he does prove that he belongs on the floor, then he will play. Like John has proven that if you belong on the floor, you're going to play Jalen Blake's by example. So I, I do. I think, I think his time is coming this season. I just don't think it is let's just abandon Jacob Grandison right now. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the right take. Um, so in the echo chamber, you definitely heard some things about John Shire not being the right guy. Like you said, we're not going to talk about that, but what we will do is do some coaching grades because mm-hmm. I think that's more than fair. On the season, I think you give Shire an A minus B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, in Portland, I think it's fair to give him a B because um, mm-hmm. I think what he did making adjustments, A. Um, having his team fight all three games, A. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense, obviously, is future, like you said, D. Mm-hmm. So uh, you kind of average all those things out, and, and you can't have a game where you basically get blown out um, and, and get anything more than a B. I think mm-hmm. the B is the highest grade that you can give uh, John Shire for, for his performance there. Um, what, what do you got for him, AC? No, I, I would agree. I would say I'd say B for the tournament overall for the season. I'd say B plus. It, it, I feel like there are games that John has this team very prepared, and I feel like there are games where this team is not prepared at all. Like for instance, this tournament, we weren't prepared for Purdue. We weren't prepared for Oregon State. Quite honestly, we were prepared for Xavier, and and some of that speaks to his ability to break down film and, like you said, make adjustments. Like he was doing that obviously this tournament. So we see that a first-time head coach being able to make those types of adjustments end game, that's actually a really good sign, man. So definitely overall for the season, I'd say B-plus with, if we were rating like 2K, he'd have A, A A-plus potential. Yeah, Jack, what do you think? It's hard to disagree. I'd give him a B-plus for the season, and yeah, probably a B for the tournament again. Yeah, I I think what AC said really really does cover it. And in that 2K rating, you give him the offense, probably a C, the defense, an AA, and that A-plus potential. So he should still have a job come the uh, the ACC season? Yeah, unlike Hubert, he'll still have a job. John Shire should have a job for at least the next five years. <laughs> Tom uh, Butters did not fire K when everything looked miserable because he knew what was going down. Took K five years to get ranked it took k six years to make the championship game and i think we all kind of expect next year to be a huge year for duke his recruiting's off the charts right so if we could ever he, talk about mac and Baco on this podcast yeah maybe we could talk about <laughs> like he's gonna, AC, I told you the he's offense gonna get, will come next year if he, not he this will year. get his segment i told you that AC. okay all right all right that's the, you keep saying it <laughs> yeah well he no i i'm a man of my word he will get his segment and if he's listening to this podcast you know we, we might even have him on so he has his own segment that's what we'll do <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I think I think coaching wise, you know, AC that w- you have a brand new head coach, eleven mm-hmm. new players. Mm-hmm. You only have one guy that's been there for three years. 
Um, like, what, what more can you really ask of a guy that you know has to put all that together for his for his first job right, right. at Duke, the most high-profile program in all college basketball and mm-hmm. one of the highest in, in all college sports. So, to me, you, you can't give him anything lower than a B plus in the mm-hmm. season. Um, and then if after all the other stuff, and the, and the offense will be a work in progress. He had mm-hmm. two injuries yet that, that he had to deal with. And, you know, then Jeremy goes down and he's like, geez, like, thank God he was able to come back and hopefully he's not that bad. Um, and I think it's fair too. Let's give the assistants probably a B or B plus as well. Sure. Going back to the two gay thing, I put the potential lower for the assistants because right now there, there's no one on the staff that, that I see as like a future head coach. There might be somebody who gets a chance just because it's Duke and you give a Duke assistant coach a chance at a small school or whatever else. But I, I don't know that anyone right now is is a future head coach in college that's on this bench. Emil? Yeah, I think he's the most likely candidate. I think I think Carol, Carowell's an assistant for life. I think Jay Lucas is an assistant for life. I don't see him as a head coach. Emil might be the only one there, and, and people do talk about his IQ and such, but he's not in a position right now to be that associate head coach where he's helping make adjustments or taking over the team at times and things. So I don't know, maybe it, time time will tell with him. I'm giving yeah. Lucas an A grade for this season. He's the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's according to Carowell. So mm-hmm. I'm giving him an A grade because he's yep. been, he's been great. And mm-hmm. the defense has been great. No, you're right there. Yeah. You're definitely right there. And I feel like the defense is, is going to continue to improve. Uh, you know, again, once Lively and, and, and Whitehead get themselves going, that defense is only going to get better, and that's scary for, for Duke opponents. Mm-hmm. ACC's got to be shook. Yeah, especially as bad as it's been. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, ACC's not too good. Um, yeah. ah, speaking speaking of, of that, <laughs> speaking of the ACC, let's talk about something else now. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. Sol- solid long playing the role of Proctor right there. Throwing it up to the rim. Let me flush this one home. So we did see that the ACC Big Ten Challenge after 23 years uh, will be no moss uh, after this season. Duke is 19 and four in in the in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. If my uh, sources are correct, hopefully they we are. add to that uh, against Ohio State on Wednesday. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm excited about this move. Uh, going up against the SEC for the next 10 years or so. I think that's what the contract was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are so many intriguing matchups that we can have. Obviously, everybody wants to point to Kentucky first, where it'd be amazing to have a home-and-home home with them kind of kicking off the, the the challenge. But, you know, we talk about Florida. We talk about uh, Alabama, Arkansas, mm-hmm. Auburn. Like, there are so many intriguing matchups that we can have. Um, I want Nate Oates. Tennessee, yeah. yeah. Nato's I want Nate sure. Oates. Nate Oates for sure. That's the first one I want, man. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we know how that goes. So we have a lot of lot of fun matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk about our favorite ACC Big Ten, you know, moments over the last, you know, 23 years. Um, but, you know, first I kind of want to start off with what are your thoughts on the uh, ACC-SEC merger here? No, I like it. This is something that happened in the '90s as well. We had a we had a brief ACC. It was ACC uh, SEC challenge type event that they set up, and then the two parties couldn't agree, and that's when it evolved into the ACC uh, Big Ten. So it's nice to see this this coming back. East two East Coast teams 
So, you know, the times and everything line up and all that, which is great. I always kind of wished for an ACC Pac-12, but the Pac-12 can't get out of their own way to have a good conference anymore. So SEC is far superior in basketball. So it's it, like we said, we, we talked about some of the match up, potential matchups just now. It's going to be nice to get out from under the Ohio State, Michigan State bubble that we've been in for the past decade. Yeah. So tired of playing those same teams over and over again. You know, so, yeah, yeah. that it's weird. I I was looking. We've only played Ohio State and Michigan State a combined like four times in the last ten years. It, it just feels, feels like, like always. <laughs> yeah, because we always get Michigan State in the tournament in the we Champs do. Classic. <laughs> we do. And we really we, do. I mean, how many times have we played Wisconsin? We played Iowa at one point. Times I believe. Wisconsin, Iowa one time. We played Iowa once. It was yep. Boozer. Uh, Boozer mm-hmm. went off in that game. Yep. Yep. Never really got. I mean, we got Indiana a couple times. It would have been nice to have that historical matchup back and forth a little bit more than we did. Yeah. Well, that never was Maryland. JJ yeah. Redick. Uh, no Maryland. At, at Indiana. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. they were they were never going to play. Yeah. We uh, no anyway. So. Minnesota, I mean, like Minnesota had a good couple of years there. It would have been an intriguing matchup for us to play them. We never, you know, never pulled the trigger on that. Purdue, another, you know, two great arenas, Mackey and hey, Shire went off. Shire yeah. went off last time we played mm-hmm. Purdue. Mm-hmm. Last two before, times before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Shire mm-hmm. had been had put up a 19 points per game yep. in between the last two times Duke had played Purdue. So mm-hmm. but, it's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, 2010 is the last time we saw him. And Purdue, again, has had some good teams. Like, could you imagine last year's squad playing against Jaden Ivey and Edie? Like, that would have been an amazing matchup. Oh, that would have been awesome. But, you know, we didn't get it. So it is. And Trevion Williams. Yeah. And Trevion Williams is still there. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like we said, a lot of a lot of good potential here. I think the top, I, I, think, I think between Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, and, you know, somebody between Tennessee, Auburn, and somebody else, we'll, we'll see that rotation a little bit. Just like we do with the Big Ten, we'll have a little small rotation of teams we play most of the time. But there, there are definitely some intriguing matchups that we haven't seen in, in decades with with Duke. Yeah, and again, the Big Ten, you haven't had a champion since 2000. So it's time for, for new blood here. I mean, yeah. let's just be honest here. Yeah, that's really though. All right, so speaking of the Big Ten, we do have uh, the, the ACC Big Ten finale uh, against Ohio State coming up here Wednesday, 7-15, odd time. For uh, for for oh, a game seven fifteen, yeah, seven fifteen is what I saw. Yeah. Are they building in the uh, Are they building in the impending? Is first take going to go into overtime before our game somehow? Uh, I I feel like anybody that watches first take, you know, you, you should reevaluate <laughs> your life. Um, but that's JJ Reddick going to go and uh, fight Stephen A. Yeah, yeah. on set. <laughs> JJ but Ohio, but... <laughs> yeah, so Ohio, Ohio State is ranked twenty uh, fifth in the country. Um, you know, they, they are a team that, um, could pose a, a few different issues for Duke, but I think that coming off of a loss, uh, against Purdue in, in the manner that we did, I feel like we come out firing, mm-hmm. um, against Ohio State, you know, kind of talk about their roster and, and the kind of team they have, AC. I mean, they bring back Zed Key, who, as we know, famously went nuts against us last year at 24 points at Ohio State. The rest of the squad is like they're they're bringing in some some newer newer type players. You know they have Justice Suing still. He's six seven. He's one of those one of those kind of big wings. And uh, you have Bryce Sensible. He's a freshman. He's their their leading scorer. So we we definitely have they have some talent. They have a little bit of talent. But I've watched them a couple times. They're like us, man. They really don't have an identity. And when things break down for them, they just go to Zed Key, who just he really cannot. He can't take he can't take the whole team on his back this year. I, I, of course, but in Cameron, we're going to see a Bonzi Colson performance from him. So let's get ready for it. I expect a good game. 
for the reasons AC said, but also going back to Sensaba, he scares he scares me. He's, he's a guy who's he's averaging sixteen points in eighteen minutes. Mm-hmm. He's their leading scorer coming off the bench and playing eighteen minutes a game. That's efficiency. That scares me. Suing Suing's a good player. I remember seeing a lot of him in March twenty twenty one. Obviously missed last season with an injury. And then Key, we all remember Key just fouling out Mark and just giving Paulo and Theo the work. Yeah, and he's going to have one of those Last games year. again. He's yeah, absolutely he's, gonna he's have going to. But he's going to. That's not a question. It's yeah. more than anything about what Duke can do to fight back. Is Lively going to mm-hmm. be able to contain him? I mean, we've shown, though. Flip going to do against Suing and Sensabaugh? Yeah. And... We, I mean, we've shown I... the ability to guard the perimeter. I think that's where Certainly. our strength is. And having a practice before this game is huge. Like that. Also, I will say, enough. Ryan Young has played these guys a lot mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Grandison has played these guys a lot mm-hmm. being in the Big Ten. So and also going exactly and going back again to Ryan Young, there's a three big rotation there to match their three, uh, three like four fives mm-hmm. in a rotation. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll be at home, so we will shoot well. Ohio State doesn't do anything on defense that scares me. On offense, Holzman is not creative. Like I, I, I think this is a. I think I think this could be a double digit win for us. I mean, looking at Ohio State, they're number six in the country in offense on Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. But they're number 63 defense, so Duke's going to have to attack offensively. Mm-hmm. Okay, it felt like you were about to make a prediction there, AC. What do you got? Playing at home the sh- with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder coming off of Purdue, probably having a tough practice beforehand. Give me, give me 81 to 71. I, th- I, think we'll be, I think we'll beat them by 10. Yeah, I got 77, 68. So kind of right there with you. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I know that you know, we kind of say this here and there, but I'll give a semi-hot take. I think that you see Whitehead in the starting lineup uh, Wednesday night. So that that's my one kind of uh, prediction for Do you think for we'll game. go one one big? you think it'll be Flip with Mark and Whitehead and Lively comes off the bench? No, I, th- I think he's going to stick with Lively, and, and okay. I think that that's the right move, too. Who moves um, to the bench? I think- uh, yeah, Mitchell goes to the bench okay. here, and I think that you see the starting lineup that we believe is going to be the starting lineup uh, in March. So um, that, that's you heard anything about Jeremy not playing because of his injury, Jack? I haven't heard anything. Have you? I haven't heard anything. I haven't either. So I, that'll be that'll definitely be something to watch. But I haven't I haven't heard anything about that yet. Yeah, um, Jack, what's your prediction here? Seventy nine, seventy one. So we're all in the same. Uh, all looking around similar mm-hmm. outcomes. I think we'll be at home. It's going to be one of those games. Yeah, it's at Cameron. <laughs> like we're going to be at home. That's a big deal for this team. This is the first time a power conference teams come into Cameron. With fans since twenty eighteen, since Indiana, since Indiana, probably right, yeah. Wow. Um, so there we have it, and then we have Boston College on Saturday, a four p.m. game. So thank God it's not one of those like <laughs> vaunted like, noon games on Saturday, which I absolutely can't stand. So it gives uh, us a little bit of time to to, to recoup there. Um, BC's five and two. I know you're 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 a huge fan of the Eagles, um, AC. So Wrong Eagles. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. That's, yeah, good point. The Jack. Eagles that AC and I root for actually win and have only one loss. Yeah. So, so what do we look for for uh, for BC? Another perimeter oriented team. They fight. They do fight hard. Um, Earl, Earl Grant's their their new head coach. There, he's he's been he's proven that he's a fighter at the very least. If nothing else, this team's going to fight. 
they, you know, they've had some struggles against bad teams or whatever, but they, they still have been winning. So they do know how to win. They know how to eke a victory out. I don't think they'll, that will happen, but they do know how to do it. So I think they'll, they'll play us tough briefly. They might even go up on us at, in the first half. I think Ohio State might do the same thing. They might, might go up on us early in the first half. We'll take advantage, but kind of like we do in the second half of games. But, you know, Damar Langford, Makai Ashton Langford, the two brothers, they're on the squad still. TJ Bickerstaff is there. They just play hard. They got some length down low, especially on the wing in particular. So we'll, we'll win. Give me 80, 85 to 65. We'll, we, should, we should stomp them out by the end of the game. Yeah, so I had uh, us beating Ohio State 77-68. I'm going to keep 77, but I'm going to drop 10 points. So 77-58, I think our defense will play very well against them. Jack, close it out. Boston College does not have good offense at all. I think 85-63 is a pretty solid margin for Duke. There we go. All right, so Duke is 6-2. Hopefully after this stretch we'll be 8-2 and two, and we'll be back with you next week. Let's get a couple of W's here. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a progress. For this team, we have great players. Give them some time to get there. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the 5 Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. 5 Point Play podcast. Let's go Duke.